KRCL, Salt Lake City. I'm Rashawn Leak, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging into your community with KRCL tonight on this cold Tuesday, y'all. So coming up on the show, we're going heavy. We're going heavy on the people's business in multiple ways tonight. The Roundtable Tuesday panel will explore whether now is the time for tax cuts or the time for public investment, especially with Utah's record surplus. You heard me right. Utah's got mad money in the coffers. Billions, B, billions. And those are your taxpayer dollars, listeners. That's what we're talking about. So the question is, do you want a bit back or is it time to catch up on some public investments benefiting our kiddos, families, the safety social net? So joining us on the panel, we have Anna Thomas, Voices for Utah Children, Thomas Maloney, a professor of economics. I'm excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. And Gina Cornea, Utahns Against Hunger. But first, you you already heard in the background, it's our own resident badass, Laura <laughs> Jones, y'all. What's up, Laura? Hey, so rallies and resources are blowing it out because uh, we have a special guest on the phone I want to get to. After you saw how cold it got last mm-hmm. night, and we knew from our own sources that warming tent was going to be set up on what they call the island, Fifth West, there yep. around three and a half south. And what happened? So we're going to get uh, to our Zoom guest here. We've got Wendy Garvin from Unsheltered Utah. Wendy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Did you doing get well. any sleep at all? <laughs> yeah, what's going on, Wendy? Boots on the ground, lady. What is going on out there? Yeah, I got like three hours sleep. Oh, and man. you know what? It's so worth it. It's so worth it. We uh, we sheltered um, almost 100 people last night. We were pretty thrilled with yeah. ourselves. So you put up warming tents. And by you, explain who was all involved, because this is like a $1,000 expenditure at least. Yeah, so we got um, uh, propane heaters from the Coconut Hut, uh, which is a part of Wasatch Community Gardens. We had um, labor from the Party for Social Liberation. We had uh, ours, uh, our unsheltered relatives, Dave John, KRCL's own Dave John. Dave John in the house. Um, and we, uh, we had Carl Moore, and we had volunteers from. We had the LDS Church out there dropping stuff off to us. We had we had everybody. It was amazing. That's awesome. Coming together to fill this gap on these cold, bitterly cold nights as temperatures hit record lows. You set up this warming tent, which technically not allowed, right, Wendy? Pretty unhappy messaging from the city about it. Yeah. What, yeah. Not. What did they say? What What's the they issue said, that they have with the warming tents? They said to take it down. And their issue was that we were using propane heaters inside, which I found to be really uh, disingenuous, considering that every tent around us were using were using actual just fires. They were building fires out of cardboard and wood inside their own tents, which is far, far, far greater fire hazard. And we were responsible and supervising at all times. And and obviously nothing bad happened because we were being responsible. So it was pretty frustrating. So how many folks in the warming tent with you down there on the island, would you say? I would say we had uh, upwards of 40, um, sometimes when it was really crowded, more than that. And then you got a call from whom about what for Central City Rec Center? Andrew Johnston called me just after 5 p.m. and let me know that uh, the county had provided uh, Wendy, you just muted yourself, unfortunately. Can you go ahead and unmute one more time? Uh, asking you to unmute. 
so sorry that, that's all right uh, um <laughs> so the um the city was able to provide this county rec center. Sorry, the county was able to provide the rec center and the county did provide some staffing to watch the parts of the building we were not using, but they were not able to staff it from a shelter perspective. And so they were asking us to come and do that. And is that the is that the ask for for our listeners, Wendy? Is is that really where you're you know, I don't want to say lacking anywhere, but is that what what you need from a from a support standpoint bodies? What we need is the substantial investment of funds and uh, staffing from the city and from the county and from the state who all have access to those resources. We're a volunteer-based organization, and we were up all night yet again staffing two locations because we did not take the warming tent down. This morning, though, what happened on the island? I understand that abatement notices were posted, including for the warming tent. Correct. The abatement was posted. Uh, I was in communication with the city. Some members of the city were saying it was not going to happen, but the trucks showed up. Um, the you know the tools were being gotten out of the truck, and I made another call to the city and I said, "What in the world are you doing abating people in nine degree temperatures? This is ridiculous." And, and the trucks disappeared. And the trucks disappeared. <laughs> but did you take the warming tent down just out of abundance of? you know, caution, because that's a huge investment that you wanted to keep going through these cold temps. We had it down by then because we assumed that if we did not, as we have seen a thousand times, that uh, yes, several thousand dollars worth of equipment was going to get bulldozed. And we spoke to the, the fire marshal last night. We spoke to the city. They made it very clear that they were not going to allow the warming tent as an option. Wow. Are you putting it up again tonight? We are not. Instead, we are going to try staffing this rec center and um, our agreement with the city is that we know how to pop up a, a warming shelter and we know how to, to staff it, but it is not our responsibility. It is the responsibility of the state and the city and the county. So we will show them how, we will share with them our processes and um, show them the equipment that we use. But our firm expectation is that they take over management of this rec center during code blue temperatures and uh, we can go back to working with the church, which we have an amazing partnership with. That's over at First United Methodist, right? Second and second. Correct. So, yep. so Wendy, what is the city or what's the state's response? Be when you say that we need more bodies and we need we need help, because obviously, if they're able to mobilize to to take down abatements, there's clearly they have access to people. Oh, yeah. I think they have access to a lot of people. For example, if the people who were running the abatements instead turned their work to providing services, none of these folks would have to live out on the streets in tents. So, Wendy, the movie nights that have been happening with uh, Second and Second Coalition, again, partners uh, among various nonprofits and grassroots organizations and First United Methodist on Second South and Second East. What are those dates? Or when are you opening those? Uh, we don't have a firm date on when we're opening those up. We do everything based on weather. And um, like everybody else, our weather reports are only accurate for about five days out. So we're looking at opening up the rec center for two days. Um, the county has not committed to a third day. So if it's necessary, I think we would probably go back to the church. Um, and uh, we are thrilled working out of the church. The church has been nothing but a fantastic partner to us from the beginning. Can I answer the question you asked earlier yeah. about what the state and the county, what their response was? Yeah. So the, the state offered to provide funding um, and they have uh, made it fairly clear that they would fund our organization as well, which we're pursuing. 
Um, the county did provide some staffing. Again, their staffing was primarily to protect their building, but they did have people on staff all night. They cleaned up in the morning. You know, they did put some work into it. Our request has been that the city match those efforts and provide the required staffing that is trauma-informed and focused on serving the homeless community and not on protecting the building. The city and the county, though, they're not in that business. So do you think they can leverage their their money and their position with those that do? Well, you know, they could offer us a contract and we would be more Let's than happy go. to bring right we'd be more than happy to bring our love to the unsheltered population because that is our whole reason for doing this um but we are working on a volunteer capacity and it takes like 12 people to run these overnight um uh, 12 to 20 people actually to run these overnight movie nights and we need resources we need uh, you know we we are happy to provide the love we understand that the city is not necessarily properly trained to do this sort of thing but um neither are we we're all volunteers and uh we would really like to get some of the support that we need to continue doing the good work that we're doing and and i have a and and feel free if you don't have the answer for that that's fine but i uh, but i feel remiss not to ask is there a budget already allocated for our home for to take care of homeless whether it be uh, and i don't even know where it goes but i feel like if we had a budget allocated already this could fulfill the need that you provide where they can actually give you a job to take care of the, the our unsheltered and really do your heart's work. I Well, there's money available. Um, every call I've been on, money has not been the issue. The state has been quite clear that it's very happy to provide the funding for whomever can staff these resources. Um, and the so if the city had a code blue an actual code blue policy that also provided funding and support, uh, they could do this. The state could work on a statewide code blue bill where the state and the local counties each provide funding. There are absolutely ways to do this. It's not rocket science. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing a lot. It's a code blue, a code red when it comes to these extreme temperatures and the members of our community that are houseless. So is that something that you're starting to see some traction with or is this just an idea at the grassroots level right now? We have submitted um, a proposal to some of our friendly legislators who, again, are the Republicans in this game. For some reason, um, in any case, we've submitted a bill and we are super excited to see it be coming out in the homeless omnibus bill that we expect to see in the next few days, released from uh, Representative Steve Ellison and State Homeless Coordinator Wayne Niederhauser. We'll be looking for that and yes, report back will. on it and have you on. I know you are exhausted and you're heading back out. Last night you had 40 folks in the warming tent on the island, another 37 to 40 folks and a dog, I understand, at the Central City Rec Center. Is that correct? Yeah, we had a couple of dogs, actually. And so you're going to move everything over to Central City Rec Center. That is 300 East, 615 South. We'll put details in the show notes. What is your website or social where folks can reach out and support the work you and other grassroots organizations are, are stepping up on, on this issue, Wendy? Second and Second Coalition on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Unsheltered Utah on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Ours, our unsheltered relatives, and um, Salt Lake City Air Protectors. Those are we use all of our social media to to put out the word as much as we possibly can. And our mic stand ready for you for the next uh, comment. They the stay next hot. Rally. Stay hot for y'all, Wendy. Thank you so much for all you're doing, lady. 
thank you both. That's Wendy Garvin. Check tonight's show notes for a link and details on the warming center at the Central City Rec Center. I had a chance to talk with Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson earlier today. And, you know, a lot of folks in Wendy's circles uh, have said to me, and we've got a show coming up on this, but that the folks who are dying on the street in these extreme temperatures that are politicians are lawmakers. Salt Lake County, Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, Salt Lake County Jenny Mayor Jenny Wilson, Governor Cox. And this is how I put the question to the mayor. Uh, they feel that our elected leaders are culpable. Mm-hmm. Their uh, blood is on their hands. Yeah, and there there is some call that they want to see them charged. And so I asked her to respond to that, and here's her response. Well, I think um, we need to do everything we can do um, to take care of people in the extreme cold and in the heat. And um, there we did see um, additional need um, during COVID and in the times following you, the county continues to invest in housing, deeply affordable housing, system change. We want to be more nimble. We have incredible partners, um, but when you see uh, 30% increases we saw during the uh, COVID era, more needs to be done. So uh, the state, Salt Lake City, West Valley City, many cities in our community um, hosting South Salt Lake hosting um, resource centers in their communities. There's uh, a lot of investment, and I really think, both as a you know a mom, a human, that we need to continue to do more. And um, I'm very proud of the network that we have in place. Uh, I also want to thank the advocates and partners who uh, want us to do more for being out there for helping people individually. Uh, sometimes it's an advocate that can um, move people on the right path as opposed to government. And we know that people are often shelter resistant and we know that there are challenges. Um, sometimes it's um, drug use, sometimes it's trauma. And we need to figure out ways to uh, have trusted partners engage with people one-on-one. I think I'd like to add, I was out on that point in time counting I saw a lot of people this year, and it was because of the location that I chose. Um, I've been out in various communities and cities over the years. Uh, I was in downtown Salt Lake, so I did um, have an exchange with several people. Not one was using that I was aware of, and they were coherent, conversational, and also um, facing trauma. I mean, people had grown up in Salt Lake and had things happen with their families, some out of state. Um, Trauma is a really big indicator of challenge. Um, It makes it hard for people to um, stay in a job often, and one thing can slip, and all of a sudden um, people are experiencing homelessness. And I think the more that we can do as a system, not just government, um, but government has a role in in kind of engaging that system and making it better. And um, I'm proud to be a part of it, but know there's a lot more that needs to be done. My last question, in your experiences over this year's point in time count, did any of these folks share with you, like, oh, you're the mayor, I need you to do this, or, oh, you're the mayor, leave me alone? I mean, what was their response when you asked them, why won't you come into services? Well, you know, it it depends. Um, I mean, I, I I walked with a woman for over an hour. She was young and relatively healthy. And we asked her to go to the Gail Miller um, Center, and she was kind of casual about it, and that's the women's shelter. So I think that 
you know, it it just depends on the individual situation. I had people really intrigued that I was the mayor and I was out. And um, interestingly, they wanted to know about me as I was asking questions to them about their lives. Um, I remember talking to one gentleman who was sharing the story of really being alone. He didn't have family. He didn't have anyone. And I asked him um, why he hadn't engaged with our men's shelter. And he preferred um, to be out. And a lot, of pe- a lot of times people feel trauma in a confined space and don't want the conflict with others. So that's, that's telling. Um, I took a, one of the takeaways that uh, is an area I'm talking to my homeless resource staff about is how do we create a better night support system? We have Volunteers of America. We have, always have funding needs. Um, a lot of what we're trying to unpack is where are the holes in the system? Because when you have so many providers and so many different entities from 23 municipalities in this county, along with, um, you know, many partners, we have amazing, I mean, I can't tell you how much Gail Miller knows. She's very, very knowledgeable. Um, Pamela Atkinson, our uh, Mother Teresa, we say, of this community, not to mention um, bank presidents, Harris Simmons, very deeply Im- embedded in solution-driven approaches. And we're like every county city in the nation. Numbers have gone up. We're working hard. And we're trying very hard to unpack the broader challenge. And if that means on a given day, everybody hustles at Salt Lake County, Salt Lake City with partners, get people out of the cold, we will do that too. Did you hear that? I heard it. I mean, it sounds good, but you know, what does affordable housing look like? If if we're talking about affordable housing, so people have can rent, that's not going to cut the bill, Laura. Yeah. Well, and you know, I am grateful that they suddenly remembered about. <laughs> but I, I get, you know what? I understand. Oh yeah, absolutely. I understand what Wendy and all the folks in the Second Second Coalition are doing. I understand what city, county, state are doing, and I understand there are gaps. Oh, true. I, and when absolutely. the temperature drops this low, that means people can die. And my my the thing that I push back on Mayor Mendenhall, Mayor Wilson is that Governor Cox. Governor Cox that you find it you find all these people when it's time to move are unsheltered out. Mm-hmm. So the same people that are mobilizing, they could be they could be running a shelter, they could yeah. be running a gym, yeah. and just making sure that people are there when it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what are we talking about tonight? A three billion dollar plus surplus? three billion. We have money. Money is in the coffers with Laura. Mm-hmm. What are we willing to spend it on? Yeah. Well. And we know uh, what we're not. You know, I don't know. Lewis Black, comedian. He was in this oh, wow. down, okay, downwind film. That uh, was at Slam Dance, and he's talking about another issue. But they're asking him, you know, because he used to do this whole bit on, you know, duck and cover. And really, I get under a piece of wood to save myself from nuclear. Anyway, they asked him, Are you still a firebrand? He's like, You know, I've learned that movement happens in the middle, but mm-hmm. it is the extremes that move the middle, right? Yeah, it's true. So there's a role for all of us to play in speaking our mind on this issue and making things happen, like Wendy Garvin. Like ours, our unsheltered relatives, like Pandos, like Salt Lake City Air Protectors, like the Genesis Project in Provo that's been doing movie nights for the last seven years. I, I will just say this. If if our unsheltered were at the polls voting, yeah. I bet you we'd see more traction. So we need some more voter registration. No, I, I, hey, challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Speaking of voters, League of Women Voters, Deb Case is with us on Zoom, updating us on the people's business. How you doing, Deb? What up, Deb? 
I am doing good and glad to be here with you guys again this week. All right. We got a couple of things to talk about. First of all, if you're looking for a way into the Capitol and learning your way around, the league does it every week. You do your lunch and learn, right, Deb? Yes, we do. Every Thursday we do that. We start at 1130 and we do it in between the committee meetings. So if you want to go to committee meetings in the morning and you want to do it in the afternoon, and it's a great time to come in and uh, join us, find out what we're, we're learning in our different committees and share with us. Um, it's a great time in between those committees to come on in. And we're in room 210 at 1130. That's Capitol Room 210. So seriously, it's right there in the Capitol. People get confused, but just go right there to the Capitol. Fine, 210. Yeah. Brown bag session? Yeah, absolutely. So we got a list of things that uh, you're prepared to share with us. Rashawn, what's on that list that you want to ask about? I, I definitely want to hear about driver's license test requirements because I remember 12 years ago when I first moved to the state. Uh-huh. And I, Laura, I was up all night. I was, it was like I was an undergrad again. I was studying. I had the book, <laughs> I had the book going. I was ready. And I got there and they said, here you go, Mr. Leak. Here's your, here's your book for the open book driver's test. It's open book. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Did you feel lied to? I felt lied. Well, it explained a lot of things going yeah. on in the roads out there. I'll tell you that much. Uh, the whole section on merging needs to be updated. <laughs> all right, Deb, we're, we're like the peanut gallery right now. Well, I mean, I remember when I was taking that test and I remember since I had the book, I felt like I had to get every single question (laughs) absolutely right. But then again, I was lucky it was in my native language. So Mm. this this amendments that we've got here from Galen Benyon, um, HB 141. Now, this is kind of you're going to see it's almost identical to the one that she had last year. And that did not make it all the way through. So she did make a few changes to it. And I believe they referred to it as elegant when it was passed in committee unanimously, <clears throat> the changes that were made. So, I mean, people think about the transportation, the driver's license, and they don't necessarily always realize that this is how it affects equity and, and diversity. And, 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 how people get along because what about if you can't get to work or you can't get your kids to school or you can't get to the grocery store to get food so if you come to this country you know and you don't speak the native language if you're a refugee or an immigrant Mm -hmm. it makes things very very difficult yeah 50 to 60 ukrainians a month come into our state right now exactly and what what do they do what do their dependents do what is what is you know, what are the different members of their family? So this is designed to basically be able to translate these languages into more than just the five languages that we're, we're recently doing and having different translators available to translate this for the for the first time that they take the test. Right. Now, they're trying to do it for the first time, not consecutively, so that they're trying to encourage people to learn the language in the yeah. long run. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And one of the things that's really awesome about this is it's done at a nominal cost. It really is. And it's really not asking for any appropriations money. So it, it seems like it's a no-brainer in that yeah. aspect. And it can okay. give, like, it's such a boost, not only to the people there, but, like, Utah is so big on its economy. We want everyone being able to travel responsibly and being able to work and follow those rules of the road. Yeah. So we don't want them doing it illegally. So this is a really, really great, I, I personally think it's a great, um, okay. great bill, and we're really happy it's gotten gotten unanimous through the first committee. So, well, and, and it's going to be, um, our floor sponsor is Bramble for this okay. one. So My amendment we're going with that. for an expanded section on merging politely and civilly <laughs> and that you pass on the outside, not the inside. That's next year. All right. This next <laughs> bill, Rashawn and Deborah, I think this is the one that usually asked me if we'd get to tonight. And I think it might be HB 256 carpool lane usage modifications. Is this the wacky one I've been hearing about, Deb? 
where women who are it pregnant. It might be with the wacky one. Is that the pregnant one? That, that's about my favorite. Because it is kind of interesting. Like on, on first glance, it seems like it makes a lot of sense because it's a carpool, like allowing pregnant women to utilize the HOV carpool lane, high occupancy vehicle, usually designated for two or more people. Well, people say, well, you know what? Back women have kids. They, this, this should, you know, this should be qualify as a child if a woman is murdered and she's pregnant then you know hey that's a that's considered a double homicide so uh, that sounds kind of negative but you know this is supposed to be a good rule right but the questions that really come up are hey you know what this is for an hov lane is this really going to reduce more cars on the road or no, more this emissions? Is about personhood no, this, is about, yeah. this is about personhood for fetuses exactly and how and well, I'm going to go to number two point, which is a little bit different, which is uh, the enforcement of the rules. How the heck do you enforce these rules? What does that give you like free free reign to just pull over anybody that looks like a female and just check and see if they're pregnant or not? Yeah, and then you're I mean, putting that's... law enforcement in the role of asking about pregnancy. But I guess the I guess the need would be to make this a misdemeanor where it couldn't be you. you this couldn't be the reason why I'm pulling you over. It has to be a, a yeah. secondary. There's got to be like speeding and things like that. And then we lead to that. I don't know, Deb. What's the rule? <laughs> what are they proposing? <laughs> yeah, well, and then we'll get back to that, that third that third one that you were talking about, which is, you know, we're giving more rights to a fetus, basically an unborn child. And so, so one of the issues with that is you're thinking like, hey, is this great for, for we're giving rights to moms to make their lives easier with, to, to be in the HOV lane? Or are we actually kind of like every, you know, making this more difficult for women's rights in that aspect? Because every time they give more feet, a fetus more rights, we make the choice for abortion more difficult. Mm. Yeah, it says- That's an interesting In point. the language, it says an acts an affirmative defense provision that allows a pregnant individual to provide evidence of pregnancy as cause for citation dismissal. So that's what it would do. If you got pulled over saying, you're alone, ma'am, in the car, well, you can then get Say a note I'm from pregnant. your doctor saying, yes, mine. And that, that brings up a whole nother thing where it was like, okay, so now you have to be going to a doctor. You have to be getting these things. that You'd expense, be- yeah. It's what another further expense, yeah. and it's it's an invasion in your personal rights, Absolutely. you know, to a certain degree. All right, HB eighty nine, gun safety amendments. What is this? Uh, given all the recent, uh, all all the gun safety issues, but I'm thinking particularly down in Enoch mm-hmm. and the family that was murder suicide, yeah. and it was just horrendous. Deb, tell us what HB eighty nine is going to do. Yeah, and and that is that is definitely an an issue, and you know, people the numbers are skewed when they talk about per capita and how. How much is in which area? You know, the more the more crowded a city is, the more people there are, the more likely they're going to be these things just because of the nature of numbers. Now, I wish that Kathy V, yes, in the League of Women's Voters, we have a lot of Kathy's and another <laughs> Kathy V we have. She is awesome with with the gun uh, laws. And I'm try- she was supposed to be here with me tonight. So but I'm trying to see if I can get her in uh, next week or on the 21st and have her really help out with this because she's really great with this. Now, HB... Um, 89. Now, that, this one is basically the bill creates um, a, a waiting period between the purchase of a firearm and the dealer, um, basically, of uh, the de- delivery. So, basically, what this is, is it's a five day waiting period. So, you can buy the gun, but you have to wait for five days. And that seems almost, oh, well, some people don't like that. Well, we Make actually. a woman have wait 72 no, hours no to time. get an abortion. <laughs> Preach, Laura. Sorry, I derailed you. Go ahead, Deb. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, so we currently have no waiting period whatsoever. So somebody can simply just go out and buy a gun and have it right then and there. Now, what we're what we're dealing with is, you know, hey, what if somebody is is angry and they they want to, you know, they they're angry at somebody. They're this is could prevent deadly shootings, suicide, or crime. Now, when you've got a five-day waiting period, that is much more likely to let people have that chance to calm down. It is much more likely if people are angry and are able to go out or they're upset and they're able to go out and get that gun that same day, within that same hour, that they're more likely to commit that, that crime or that act, that deadly act. And it's, it's, this is actually a possible for the legislation to actually make in writing, something that can be preventative, that can prevent crime and can prevent unnecessary death. So it seems like a really, uh, really useful law. And this one is out okay. by Wilcox. Wilcox. And you can find the League of Women Voters uh, legislative tracker on your website, which is, Deb? Oh, the legislative. First off, you want to go to the League of Women Voters. So that is lwvutah.org. And we've got our bill tracker. So when you go to LWV dot, lwvutah.org, there is also a little tab up at the top that says Legislative Action Corps. Go to that and you'll find um, a link to our bill tracker. And that is going to have a whole bunch of these great things for you to go and take a look at. And, yeah. you know, if you can't find it there, you know, other things that you're looking for, go to um, le.utah.gov. Uh, I always get that one. So. Ellie.utah.gov. Um, that's it. You got it. <laughs> Thank you. And then you and, wanted uh, to throw in a plug, didn't a you? For nonprofit, nonprofit day? day? Yeah. Yes, I did on that. Um, there is going to be a nonprofit day, day at the Hill, and that is going to be next, not this week, but that's going to be the following Thursday. That's going to be February 9th, and that is going to be 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that's for all the nonprofits, the advocacy groups. And this is really, you know, what it's designed to do is for all of these uh, groups to be able to go out and set up their tables and have all their information and be able to to present to a lot of the legislators that come out and they can show them what, what they're doing. But it's not only for that. It's also for the general public, too. So you can go to the Capitol and and take a look at all these different tables. And you know what? If you're looking to get involved, it's a great way. Here it is, all these different organizations that are actively involved. And they have their own particular you know specialties and interests. So you can go over to the tables and talk to them. Of course, I, I urge you to come over and talk to the League of Women's Voters. But there are all sorts of different um uh, nonprofit organizations out there that advocate. And so you could go there and, and get more information on that. And once again, that is Thursday, February 9th. And that is going to start at 8 a.m. and go until 2 p.m. at the Capitol and the Rotunda. Deb Case from the League of Women Voters of Utah. Thanks so much. We'll put all that in the show notes. Really appreciate your time and the League's continued partnership with Radioactive <coughs> to keep an eye on the people's business, Deb. Thanks, Deb. All right. Thank you, guys. See you next week. All right. When we come back, sugar-free February Eve on KRCL. KRCL amplifies the work of community nonprofits like Comunidades Unidas, an organization that fights to build the social and political power of people who identify as Latinx immigrants, including undocumented folks living in Utah. More details at cuutah.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. 
All right, Rashawn, coming up, we're going to talk about how to really spend $3.5 billion in tax. I, hey, I got a couple ideas. Com- you do? You got a few? Just a few. <laughs> but we wanted to take a minute because it is sugar-free February Eve. Oh, it's 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 <laughs> upon us. The day of reckoning is upon us, I've Laura. been cramming in as much sugar as I can. I've been good. <laughs> I've been good. I, I'm not, yeah, I mean, you know, every now and again, there's something here and there, but yeah. overall... It's hard not to when you got a nine and a twelve year old. Yeah, our mentor here, Dr. Mike Jaffe. Thanks for coming back, third week in a row, and we really wanted to provide inspiration. This isn't about worrying about mm-hmm. what you should or shouldn't eat. It's about taking stock during the shortest month of the year and saying how much sugar. Because you told us on the first night of this year's challenge how much sugar the average American gets, and it was alarming. It was, it was terrible. How many pounds? It was uh, oh seventy five pounds a year 75. per person, and it's a uh, ninety milligrams. Sorry. Yeah, 90 yep. milligrams a day, which is uh, 22 teaspoons. So I'm getting my coffee. God. One, two, three, I, 22. That, that, just hearing those, every time I hear those numbers, they're just, uh, they're so upsetting, they're Laura. Just, like, they make me stop talking, and so. I like to think I'm better than that. I'm better than that, Mike. You are better than that. I think I looked at a Coca-Cola bottle today, yeah. and it was um, 35 grams of sugar, which oh was gosh. 8 to 9 teaspoons of sugar right. in 12 ounces. Okay, the soda alone, if I cut soda's that out. Soda's that's, yeah. that's, gone. That's a wrap. But I love soda's my gone. latte. Oh, you got it. That's gone. Latte's that. gone, Laura. <laughs> just, lattes are great. You just. You know, no sugar. No sugar. That's so, just black coffee. Again, <laughs> the concept is, speaking of extremism, yeah. changing the world, we have yeah. to take an extremism approach to our diet because mm-hmm. the middle ground is what's making America middle grounded. Ah, oh, I, I see. I've been working on my middle grounding. Okay, well, um, uh, we want to give some people some tips. And your smoothie, we're going to go to again. So be thinking I'm about ready. what you had this morning. Um, in the meantime, Heather Bruce, a listener who's been... Uh, thinking of different ways to get involved with radioactive said you know i grow and prepare my own food to cut down on the sugar and what did you bring in i brought in some pesto made from basil grown in the garden i brought in some dill pickles from that's that i'm not gonna crack that later and then some marinara sauce made from tomatoes that grew i'm in on all of that heather so do you plant your garden plan your garden around the meals you can make so that you can connect these dots yeah i do try to grow only things that i'm interested in eating and um I, you know, I'm pretty much an amateur. I just listen to Radioactive Fridays, you know. Oh, yeah. oh there we go. Plug. There we and, go. Let's go, And Heather. the presentations from Wasatch Community Gardens. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, she knows the way our heart, you know, Laura. Get it going that yeah. way. So, yeah. Is preparing your own food a huge, um, like, like one of the easiest ways to control your sugar? Because then you're actually... You have to acknowledge. You have to put in twenty-two scoops of uh, Dr. Jeff. <laughs> Absolutely, if you're preparing your own food, unless you're making desserts and baking goods, mm, you're yeah. eating a good, healthy <laughs> meal, right. probably. I showed up to work today, sat down with my KRCL colleagues, and said, "I brought a salad for lunch today, and I'm already mad about it." So this is <laughs> this is a challenge for me. Is that I think I use food, especially sweets mm. like lattes yeah. and desserts and chocolate to reward myself yeah and so that's a change i need to make but um being really conscious about preparing my salad this morning helped and i ate it and it was delicious planning ahead to succeed yeah Mm -hmm. and so meal prep meal prep uh i cook most of my dinners yeah i um cook in batches in large amounts Uh um and you know often it's whole grain with some sort of vegetable Mm -hmm. nut you know tofu type thing uh-huh. but in large right, batches vegan. and then i freeze it 
and I bring them for lunch. Okay, pass that pesto back over here. So, so this pesto is just right. Yeah, what's in this pesto, Heather? It's basil, olive oil, garlic, and Asiago cheese. Okay. Oh, don't oh, give cheese. me any grief about Uh-oh, the cheese. Oh, Mike. We're in sugar-free February, not perfect food <laughs> Okay. Yeah, see, uh, Joe, you, you heard that? So that's what we were talking about. Oh, Joe's like, what? why is Mike hating on cheese right now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Heather, the pickles, um, sometimes people put sugar in their pickles. Did you put it in here? No. Uh-uh. What's in your pickles, for your brine? It's, um salt and vinegar and salt water vinegar. okay and you uh it's not, you did the bath right yeah okay somebody's got to open that but do not spill it on the board ebay will kill me right. and you guys can try the pickles but and then the marinara what's in the marinara that's just tomato and oregano and what did i tell you i it was it was hard <laughs> i didn't spill it on the board though okay good I think that's what in salt and pepper, I think. Yeah. So, so again, you planned your garden, and then you planned your dishes, and you've and you've frozen some pesto in the marinara, and you've canned the pickles. Oh, so a doubled. great way, a great way to um, uh, to to get the sugar out of your diet by doing that. So, have have you done that for a long time, or is it something new? No, really. It well, it was when I moved back to Salt Lake in 2015. Uh huh. I just mm-hmm. had a little 12 by 12 spot in my yeah. backyard, and. Yeah. Crammed it full of vegetables. And how the pickles? Okay, I, I got. I, I'm I'm two by ten, and this, these pickles are delicious, Heather. <laughs> Super spicy. Oh, awesome. I'm, glad I'm, I'm glad you like them. All right, yeah. Heather. I know it's short time, but I was just looking at the clock, and we got this uh, legislation thing we're going to talk about. But please come back and maybe share your your recipes with us. All sure. right, Doctor Jaffe. Quickly, the smoothie this morning for inspiration for tomorrow. So, one of the sugar sources in every meal. We got a. Gold star for every meal that you don't eat sugar. You got okay. breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack. All right, let's roll. Gold stars and calendars. I got it for Get lunch them today. out. So breakfast, of course, tends to be carbohydrate heavy, lots of sugar, unless you're eating yeah. bacon and eggs, which mm-hmm. again, I'm not gonna recommend bacon and eggs for breakfast. So okay. smoothie concept Dagger is seventy five percent greens, be it kale, spinach other entity, you know, trying not to just use straight iceberg lettuce or something like that. But it's 75% and it's pushed down. It's dense 75%. Then it is four tablespoons of an omega-3 fatty acid source. So flax, chia, walnuts, hemp. I got all that. I got all that. Uh, I don't know. It has oils, but I don't think it's omega-3 heavy. Um, And then the last 25% is fruit. So today's, uh, and of course blended, right? Today's was uh, charred kale spinach mix uh-huh. organic uh 75% and then it was I ran out of flax seed which I like the best cuz it's nutty flavor mm. 2 tablespoons of flax 6 walnuts and 2 tablespoons of chia word up and then I went with half a banana about half a banana, huh? Half a banana, like six little chunks of mango. I'm exhausted digesting I this was, in my I head. I was thinking two bananas to and make up for my sugar. <laughs> frozen sweet cherries. Okay. So cherries right, I'm were, in, I'm you in. Know, are not a daily thing in my smoothie. So yeah. it was cherry, uh-huh. banana, mango, greens, omega-3 source. Right. Oh, so with the cherry, you treated yourself this morning. Yeah. It was pretty darn good. It sounds oh, good. and then it's water goes up to the height of the greens. Okay. So you're trying to use water and... Get the consistency that I'm you in, want. I'm in, Laura. I, I think I, I, okay. I don't want to get too cocky because you know how I get, Laura. Well, and if you and would... again, make a big amount yeah. so that you have some leftover for your afternoon snack. You walk in the house, you're like, oh, I'm famished. I always eat right when I get back. 
grab that yeah. last glass of smoothie. I want to switch to a smoothie. In I'm go- the I'm, I'm a smoothie guy. Like yeah. uh, you know, okay. I'm a smooth operator. Need your smoothie your recipe next yeah, week. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, folks, radioactive at carecl.org. If you're doing the sugar-free challenge, write us. Tell us about your challenges. Tell us about what your your strategies are. Tell us what your smoothie recipe is. If you have a strategy like Heather, and she's gonna have to come back and share her her pesto recipe because I'm taking this home. That pesto smells delicious. All right. So when we come back, we're going to get into tax cuts versus public investment. She's doing three nights at the Apollo Theater. Three nights, sold out. They don't do that anymore. Sharon Jones did. (laughs) KRCL's Music Meets Movies returns to Broovies in Salt Lake City on Thursday, February 9th for a screening of the 2017 film Living on Soul. Part concert film, part documentary. Living on Soul was filmed during the Daptone record label's three-night sold-out residency at the historic Apollo Theater in Harlem. Featuring music and interviews from Sharon Jones, Charles Bradley, Auntie Ballas, and more. The beginnings of Daptone were real scrappy. Charles Bradley was showing me how to level uh, radiator pipes, you know, and he would score us these black market Home Depot cards that we would, we would buy at a discount. Sharon did a lot of electricity with me. You know, I showed her how to wire the outlets as far as I could figure out. And I think that really set the tone for uh, the spirit of the label, which has always been driven by the soul and the hard work of the family. Join KRCL Thursday, February 9th at Brewbies in Salt Lake City. Tickets at the door at 6.30, movie at 7.30. Information at krcl.org. Valentine's Day is Tuesday, February 14th, and we're ready to deliver some love out into the world with KRCL Listener Love Notes. Call the Love Note hotline and leave a message or shout out for that special person, local cause, or organization. Call 801-903-1279 to leave your love note. Then tune into KRCL Tuesday, February 14th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to hear love songs, breakup songs, makeup songs, and listener love notes on air. Find the number and the details at krcl.org. And don't wait, the hotline closes Friday, February 10th. And welcome back to Radioactive House of Spicy Pickles, Rashad. You know, I mean, I'm I'm spicy. You I'm, told me I'm, you're spicy. I, I love it. I, I love took a that bite spice. And I just about went into. Yeah, it. Laura lost it, y'all. <laughs> Laura lost it, but uh, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good and they're so good. Oh, so folks, we realize sugar free February not for everybody, but if you're taking the challenge, please reach out radioactive at krcl.org and give us some feedback on how it's working for you. Seriously, those are so spicy. I think that it's. I like need her recipe, <laughs> Joe. I'm bringing. I'm gonna get that recipe, babe. Okay. So the rest of the show, we wanted to talk about this surplus. Do you have the notes on the exact number? I think we said what five. I got it. Three point five billion or something like that. Anyway, hold on. We got our guests here to weigh in. Gina Cornea from Utahns Against Hunger. Hello. Hi. I think it's five billion, but five I billion? am. I am not. I would not bet. I printed the mountain, left in the other room, or you have them all. <laughs> the big, that's it. The stack right there. Find oh, that front page. Yep. But we also have five point uh, six billion. Five point six billion tax surplus. I'll just take that point six. Just take you. the point six. You know what yeah. I mean, Gina? We're not yeah. greedy. No. <laughs> no. I'll just take that point 
said. Anna Thomas, voices for Utah children. You're greedy on the on behalf of the kids, right? I object to the term Green. surplus. Surplus. That is made up. <laughs> that is our tax money. We have collected oh, it. We have it. Just because we continually underestimate with overly conservative models what we're going to make the next year doesn't mean this isn't actual money mm-hmm. that is brought together by the people of Utah as taxpayers that they have been very mm-hmm. clear about they would like invested in public goods. All right. Professor Thomas go. Maloney is with us as well. I love that she said that because know, right? when you when it's all said and done, let's uh-huh. just talk about it. We talk about a balanced budget and here we are in... We, we got a recession going. Or we might be on the verge of a recession. Let uh-huh. me correct my words. But we know that we are. There's people out there that are struggling. They're okay. struggling at the pumps. Yes. Professor, we want you to give us a landscape read on yep. tax cuts, the current economic situation we're in, the so-called recession I thought we were in that may be coming. And so are, should we give back money or hold on to money? Well, you know, I don't. I don't think anybody's making much of an economic argument really about this tax cut of that type. I mean, so if you were concerned about inflation, maybe you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to give this give this money back. If you thought there was a recession coming, you might not want to do it. But, you know, if you think that tax cuts are good to do in a, when you when you're worried about recession, public spending is also good to do when you're worried about recession. It has also you know, stimulating uh, mm-hmm. uh, aspects to it that'll that'll help the economy and it allows you to sort of Address there are very sort of specific things that you can address that way if you do that stimulus through spending uh, rather than through tax cutting. So and, and you know as it was said, I mean the money is already sort of in the coffers, so it's sort of puzzling why you would think you you need to do something new to to make the economy run more full. It's already running pretty full. Well, yeah, and the argument about a stimulus that tax cuts are a stimulus. Does the economy need a stimulus right now? You know, I don't. I don't think in the, in the Utah economy, uh, we it, it would be easy to make the case you need a stimulus. I mean, the labor market is unemployment's is, really low. It's super unemployment's low. low. I mean, the, so the, I think the issues right now in Utah are not about you know is the economy running hot, but there are questions of you know distribution. Mm-hmm. And so, certainly in the aggregate, the numbers look good, but um, but you sort of you know they're better for some than for others. And the, and there's a, just a long list. Of, uh, uh, of of opportunities to invest, whether it's education, whether it's climate, that, um, that okay. need to be addressed. So. so last week, Anna, want you to speak to this. Voices for Utah Children. Remind folks what your organization does and why. We are a policy organization, nonpartisan, nonprofit. Um, we typically do policy analysis, data analysis. We also do advocacy for policies that we find through our analysis will help Utah kids. So Utah kids, zero to 18, we're concerned about their well-being, their opportunities for future happiness, and we look at policies that will promote that. And last week, you, and by that I mean Voices for Utah Children, and a broad coalition called for an investment in Utah's future rather than tax cuts, and said there's $5.6 billion in urgent unmet needs versus a reported $3.3 billion available for fiscal year 2024 in unexpected state revenues. So what do you want the money spent on, and what's your argument? Well, I think the professor said it very well. There are a variety of excellent programs that could use additional investing every year, year after year, 
the general public in Utah say, we would like more invested in public education. They want to see teachers making more. They want to see schools better resourced. They want to see full day kindergarten. They want to see preschool. Um, we that got, would be a great use of a billion dollars. We got the we got the vouchers though. I mean, that's scholarship uh, yeah, scholarship for a everybody. A very small number of people, forty-two million dollars. Well, and you know, today in social services appropriations, Gina um, sorry, Gina Corney, Utah's senator. And anyway, they were talking this morning in social services. A couple of people who were from um, groups that help folks with disabilities live more independently. And they were there asking for raises for the folks who work to help them with the skills they need to be more independent. I think they're, you know, making, I'm sure, well under $20 an hour. But that, you know, when you have in social services and in all these other appropriations that you have hundreds of people coming in and asking for money and we have leadership in the legislature just chomping at the bit to give tax cuts when we could spend the surplus probably three times mm-hmm. with the unmet needs with the unmet with needs the, the right. things that are slipping through the cracks and that don't get a lot of mic time perhaps right like we were talking about earlier and and you you touched on you said a figure Gina and I want to ask what is what is the amount that a that a Yuntan would need to make to comfortably live in our state? Ooh, that's I think it one it depends on where you're at. For just to rent a market rate apartment, you need to make at least nineteen dollars an hour. And what's minimum wage? Seven dollars. When was it last raised? Oh, I don't even don't remember. Even know. Yeah, it's been that long. So, okay, Anna Thomas, I know you're raring to go. There's gaps, Laura. You said there are. I think that's the best way to say it is there are gaps. There are people who are in need who are doing amazing things in our communities, like supporting disabled community members, taking care of young children, taking care of the elderly. These are not money-making jobs, but they're critical community Mm -hmm. fabric jobs. That is where we could use our money. I don't want an extra $100 this year. I want to know that the money I put into our coffers goes to help kids and women escaping domestic violence and victims of sexual assault. Like there, If you do go day after day and listen to the presentations made to social services appropriations, those are all your ideas. They're amazing ideas. And... Mm. They're even lowballed, yeah. I will tell you. Oh, yeah. Am I wrong in thinking that the way you view a state is how you treat your children? The how most you vulnerable? Tr- yeah, you're most vulnerable. And I, I, I you know, I love this state. I, as a transplant, I love this state. Where are you from again? I'm, you know I'm from Jersey. I'm a Jersey <laughs> boy. But you know we sh- I Is Utah looking at themselves in the mirror and really checking? Professor uh, Maloney's getting ready to answer you. But no, well, I was just going to say, I mean, in terms of how Utah wants to see itself, I mean, I see a lot of these sort of the state, you know, state business climate indexes, these, mm-hmm. these, this kind of thing that comes to my desk from time to time. If you actually look inside what those indexes uh, often do, basically they give you points for having lower tax rates. Basically, if you were a country that had or a state that had simply no public sector, you'd do really well <laughs> on those on those indexes, often, not all of them, but often. And so 
I, I think that is a, there, there's a sort of a, a sense that we want to be, you know, we want to be a business a friendly state, but we need to sort of think about what that means in some in some real serious way. It can't just be, you know, less taxes, smaller government. There are things that that the, that the government can do that we can do in the public sector that improve the business climate, right? So if you have yeah. better mm. transit, if you have better energy educated people or you uh, address health issues better, then those things, uh, you know, help help private investment. Versus dictating when we celebrate Halloween. Oh, my gosh. You or, know I was going to bring oh, that up. I love it. Or, or parents making medical decisions for their children. Yes, yes. Yes. All right. I wanted to go to another item with you, Anna. And on January 26th, Voices for Utah Children put out this blog item and release Utah Education Funding Legislative Leadership versus the Data. So uh, pre-K, comprehensive pre-K, I mean, some of the things that we could do to support women and children would be comprehensive pre-K, would be child care, would be uh, uh, equal pay, all sorts of things, uh, paternal leave, et cetera. So can you comment a bit about leadership and what they're willing to spend? Because I keep hearing we spend more than anybody on education, and we're fabulous, and I just don't see that as a reality. Yeah, I mean, there's numbers there's math that you can do that show that those things aren't true i think are we spending more than ever on education i mean possibly but when you account for inflation the growth in the population Mm -hmm. like there are other numbers that factor in that say yeah but here is what you could be spending and the outcomes you could be getting i think what what i see from our leadership right now is an interest in explaining why what we have is just fine and not looking at well could we do better could Mm -hmm. we do better by this population it's one of the things that we talk about at voices for utah children if you look in the aggregate at some of our data about how life is for children in utah we look pretty good when you start to slice and dice the data by socioeconomic class by racial and ethnic background some Utah families are not doing well. And we have opportunities over and over again to make life a little easier for our neighbors. Speaking of families not doing well, Rashawn, uh, there's about 74,000 Utah households that are going to experience a change in their household Utah budget. Utah snap. Yeah, pandemic snap is ending at the end of, of February. Of February. Yes, Gina. it is. Well, so this, you know, since April of 2020, Every food stamp household has gotten the maximum allotment that their household size was eligible for. Normally, SNAP is based on, your benefits are based on household size and income. And as your income goes up, your benefits go down. So during the pandemic, everybody has received the maximum allotment. And even though that sounds like super generous, the maximum allotment, it moved the daily amount of money that folks had to spend on food from like 435 to 511 or something like that. I mean, it was really some, (laughs) not a whole lot of extra money, but Uh enough that it has made a difference. And when they, when Congress passed the omnibus bill in December, they said that SNAP emergency allotments will end in February. So we can pay for a summer EBT program, which is a program that kids can get summer food at parks when and rec centers. When does summer begin? 
<laughs> like right in when is the end of February? Yeah. yeah, in the dead of a winter. Hungry, hungry spring. In the dead of winter. So I mean, but it really is. I mean, this is you know the game that Congress plays. They just take money from one program mm-hmm. that serves a population and shift it to another program that serves. Pick the and population. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that's one of the things that always gets to me in, in politics. We're not in the business of picking winners and losers. Actually, Absolutely. that's what Absolutely. you're doing. Until you are. The way you set policy. So the average household, they'll lose between 175 and $200 a, a month. month. A month. That's huge. The, that no, is that is lot. huge. I mean, you know, you, you factor that over 30. I mean, the, mm-hmm. per, the price per meal is not a lot yeah. of money, but... That chunk of money is a lot to move from, lose from your food budget. And all of our food banks are saying they are overstressed and under-supplied. Uh, yep. Under-supplied, correct. And so now, the Utah Food Bank, all these other pantries, know that there's going to be an influx of yeah. folks starting in March yeah. with fewer volunteers. Fewer supplies. Fewer share. supplies, less food. I mean, there's one pantry <laughs> who... They basically have started having to turn people away, wow. and that is not. You have to tell me who that is so we can have them on and and put out the call. Do we and the, have? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gina. I oh, didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say. I mean, that is the reality of sort of like the drunkenness of us all coming out of this. <laughs> The influx of money that came in during the pandemic. I mean, yeah. I think it demonstrated that you know child nutrition programs turned on a dime and started serving kids from the curb. We can do it if we have. We can do it if we 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 get when we have to. But I feel like it's it's now mm-hmm. just sort of reached this this critical point where it's like okay we've got to get out of this. But the damage that's going to be done the problem as still we exists. exit the problem that's still it right exists. There, Laura. Okay, we have just yeah. a few minutes left. I want to get the professor back in here from an economics argument. What can we say to our lawmakers to to motivate them to 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 break the ideological cycle of tax cuts are good for small government states. Give us the magic statement. What's the magic <laughs> word? <laughs> Fix it. No, I mean, I, well, just to sort, of, to sort of keep it at an analytical level, I don't want to be uh, too uh, much of a lobbyist, but there are, there's, there's a guy named David Ashour who was one of my professors at Michigan. He's no longer with us, but he, uh, he was a person who said, you know, we, can, we have to take seriously the fact that, that smart public investment by government is good for business, actually. We always sort of frame yeah. it so purely as sort of one or the other. Signing up people for benefits yeah. at the same time they hire them. Right. So, so I mean, so this is Ash Hour's point, and, and it's, it's a little bit wonky, but if people want to check it out, I encourage them to do so. But I'm, I, I just think that that's a piece of the discussion that almost always gets left out, that, um, that, that we think of public spending as some sort of sinkhole, but in fact it, it creates sort of the social capital mm-hmm. and, the, and the sort of social fabric that makes – you know, otherwise economic success more possible. I well, think. these are trade-offs that we're making. And so maybe we can take a look back and go, the trade-offs that we have made have netted as this. Yeah. Maybe we can change up the trade-offs well, and, uh, and get a, a better outcome. And Anna Thomas, I think you might have a thought or two on that. What a society is willing to pay for, you know, show me your, what you spend your money on, I'll show you what you care about. Right, Anna? Yeah, I think that's our perspective. Um, You know, Utah has a reputation as being a good place for families, whatever that means. And again, the professor was right earlier when he referenced like the metrics matter, right? What you're measuring matters when you when you make these statements. But, you know, when you actually break it down and look at what the average Utah family is struggling with, you know, they're 
paying for childcare that's as much or more than their mortgage, depending on how many kids and they have. And mortgages are up how much percent? Seriously. Exactly. And again, you know, they're paying at the pump. They're, I know it doesn't sound like much, but when your eggs go from four ninety nine to six ninety nine, that's huge. And you've got three teenagers. I could do that a whole show huge. on what's happening with eggs. It's it, crazy. Exactly. But I, but I think that's that's the point. Is maybe we are a good state for families in some ways, but we could be doing so much more, especially for families with young children, mm -hmm. yep. to make their lives easier. And the happier. Return, the return would be. Uh, I think radical. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But absolutely. Gina, folks that need help, I know you've got some resources on your website. Yeah, people can go to www.uah.org and we have some resources on there, um, some pantries and drop down menu and get help. You know, one of the things that has been baffling me is our SNAP, our food stamp caseload, is relatively flat. We've, the reports that we're getting from pantries that they have seen over a hundred percent increase in demand for services, but our SNAP caseload is barely now, I think, where it was at pre-COVID. Wow. And wow. so it's very, so th what are those barriers? So mm -hmm. folks need to apply for SNAP. Um, call 211 information and referral. I mean, they can help you find a, a pantry close to you. You know, donate to advocacy organizations like Voices for Utah Children, like Utahns Against Hunger. I mean, those social services that are meeting immediate needs, those are absolutely needed. But if we're going to change the system, if we're going to do systematic changes, we need public policy advocacy. And, um, you know, and again, register to vote. And that is our show. Check tonight's show notes for links to all of our guests and the conversation. Rashawn, thank you. I wanted the same panel back. Oh, absolutely. Right, absolutely. Take care. KRCL, Salt Lake City.